0: The scripture this morning is from the book of Second Chronicles, chapter twenty six, verses one through five and sixteen through twenty three. Hear the word of the Lord. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was sixteen years old, and made him king in place of his father Amaziah. He was the one who rebuilt faith, who rebuilt Elath and restored it to Judah after Amaziah rested with his ancestors. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jechaliah. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah, the priest, with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord, followed him in. They confronted King Uzziah and said, It is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and you will not be honored by the Lord God. Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand, ready to burn incense, became angry. While he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. When Azariah, the chief priest, and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead, so they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house leprous and banned from the temple of the lord jotham his son had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land the other events of uzziah's reign from beginning to end are recorded by the prophet isaiah son of Amos. uzziah rested with his ancestors and was buried near them in a cemetery that belonged to the kings for people said he had leprosy and jotham his son succeeded him as king this is god's word
1: thanks be to god let's pray Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are here with us now, and we ask that we would experience your presence. Lord, as we pray for ourselves, we pray for the churches surrounding us, and this morning we specifically lift up University City United Methodist, Hickory Grove Baptist, North Cross Presbyterian. And Lord, we ask that as they are meeting either right now or very shortly, you would bless those congregations. We pray that Your Word would go forth in truth and in power, and we pray that You would glorify Yourself, Lord Jesus, and continue to build Your kingdom in this area. Lord, we pray that You would meet with us now and let us hear Your voice, O living Word. Open this to us. May we surrender ourselves to You and help us to seek You with all that we are now, Jesus. For it's in Your name we pray, amen. People love to talk about power. You can find quotes all over the place about it. Let me just share three with you from history. First, Abraham Lincoln said, Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. It was Sir John Acton who famously said, Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Great men are almost always bad men even when they exercise influence and not authority. And the bard himself wrote in Measure for Measure, Oh, it is excellent to have a giant's strength, but it's tyrannous to use it like a giant. Today, we're going to take a little power trip as we conclude our series that we've been calling Great Ways to Wreck Your Life. And we're going to see in 2 Chronicles 26... How Power Wrecked the Life of King Uzziah. And this morning, we're going to cover briefly in our time the universality of power, the problem of power, and the cure for power idolatry. So let's just go right into it, beginning with the universality of power. Uzziah's account is grounded in real events, real history, and just so you know, it begins approximately 790 years before the birth of Jesus. In verses 3 to 5, we read again, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jechaliah. These are just details showing you the groundedness in history. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah. That is not the priest uh, that we read about in some accounts, that's also not the prophet whose book bears his name. This is another Zechariah. There's actually many Zechariahs in the Bible. We don't know exactly who this one is, but we do know it's not those two. He sought God during the days of Zechariah who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. So here's a young guy at 16, and he becomes the ruler of Israel's southern kingdom of Judah. And it tells us he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, And that's great. Here's the the tension with it, though. He comes from a family of kings who all started great and then turned bad. And if you read the chapters leading up to this, you'll see both his father and his grandfather. Their accounts start with, they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and everything's good. But then they turned away. And so, this is now the third generation where he begins well, and what the book of Second Chronicles is asking us is, what kind of king is Uzziah going to be? Will he continue, starting as he ended well, or will he end poorly and become corrupted and unfaithful as both his father and grandfather? Now, as we get into this, and you may be saying, well, okay, that's fine, and Uzziah's a great king. I don't think this is my issue. And we've been going through the the top idols that are in our culture that people seek to find their identity and and meaning in life in. And, And you may be saying to yourself this morning, yeah, I'm not tempted with this one. You know, power idolatry, that's not mine. I don't have a kingdom like Uzziah did. You know, sometimes people do what I say, sometimes not. I I don't think this is my issue. It's not one of my idols. Uh, Don't be so quick. You see, you and I have been given the same thing as Uzziah, just in different measure. And you've heard us talk about this before, but you have a kingdom, you have a place in which you rule. And basically, your kingdom is the range of your effective will. It's the sphere of your influence and control. And the point is, every single one of us in this room has a kingdom of some kind where you have influence and control and power. Some peoples are quite large. Some peoples are very small. And it doesn't extend much beyond the car. But you have your range of of effective will and influence. It's where your choice basically determines what happens. So people's ranges and the sphere and scope of their influence and their kingdoms varies, but everyone has a kingdom in which they exercise sovereign power. And and this is normal because this this is just part of what it means to be made in the image of God. You see, when God created mankind... He shared a lot of things with us, and and, and we talk about God's attributes, and some of them He didn't share, but many of them He did share, and we call those attributes His communicable attributes, things that are true about God that He shared with His creation. One of the communicable attributes God shared with humanity is His sovereignty. That means you have the opportunity and the ability to extend and use power Influence in different ways in life. John Ortberg, in his book "It All Goes Back in the Box," he writes, "I walk into work, things are run my way. My projects have been completed. Tasks I have assigned have been carried out. What does that mean? It means I'm in charge. This is my little kingdom. I go into my kids' rooms. Beds are made just as I prescribed. Chores are done just as I commanded." What does that mean? It means I'm in charge. This is my little kingdom. I walk through the door at the end of the day. My slippers are laid out by the lazy boy. My iced tea is ready. My paper is waiting for me, and dinner is on the stove. What does it mean? It means I've walked into the wrong house. (laughs) He stepped into Nancy's kingdom in that regard. Now, But he is right in that there are realms and spheres where you have power. Where you have influence, where you do have control, and that's just gifted to you by God. And everybody, everyone in here, you have a kingdom. Like I said, it may be large, it may be small, but you have a kingdom, you have power, you have influence in so many areas in the home, in the workplace, in your neighborhood, in schools, in different clubs and organizations, in the church. You have influence, you have power. It's an amazing truth, but the universality of power, it actually leads us to the problem of power. Our text tells us Uzziah started great. He inherited a royal mess because his father, Amaziah, who also started well, what happened was he followed the Lord. He turned away after a period of time. And what happened was success went to his head And one day, his father Amaziah picked a fight with a much larger enemy, and that enemy gave him a chance and said, oh, you don't want to do this. He said, oh, yes, I do. And what happened was Uzziah's father Amaziah got obliterated. Now, sadly, so did Jerusalem. Jerusalem gets sacked, the temple of God in Jerusalem gets ransacked, and actually all the gold... Uh, vessels in the temple get carried off, and they have to replace them with copper vessels, meaning that the glory of God hasn't gone, but it's not what it was in a sense. So Uzziah's father blew it. Uzziah comes along, and he has a mess. The city's in a wreck, temple worship. People are wondering, what does this mean long term? He starts out well, He's doing great. And the verses that we didn't read this morning, I encourage you to go read them later, verses 6 through 15, basically what they do is they're an account of how Uzziah did wonderful things. He was a really good king. He was an inventor. He was industrious. He was very influential. Uzziah made Jerusalem great again. He could literally claim that because verses 6 through 15 Talk about how he made Jerusalem great again. But then we read verse 16, and this is the problem. It says, but after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. Verse 21 to 23 at the end of the chapter here is Uzziah's epitaph. Now, if you read verses 6 to 15, Here's a, here's a guy who's ingenious in military uh, invention and conquest. He brings in a time of peace and prosperity for Jerusalem where all of Jerusalem and the surrounding areas prosper because of his good reign. And then we get to 16. But his pride because of becoming powerful, led to his downfall. And this, the great king who did wonderful things in Jerusalem, this is his epitaph and how he's remembered. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous, banned from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son, had charged the palace and governed the people of the land. The other events in Uzziah's reign from beginning to end are recorded by the prophet Isaiah, son of Amaz. Uzziah rested with his ancestors, but he had to be buried near them in a cemetery that belonged to kings, for people said he had leprosy. And Jotham his son succeeded him as king. How is he remembered? Not as the one who made Jerusalem great again, not as the one who brought peace and prosperity and great flourishing to all the people around. He is known hereafter as the leprous king. That is. Was how he was remembered. That's what marked him in history. What happened to him? How did someone who started so well get so far off course? You see, it only takes a moment for your kingdom to be destroyed, it'll take you a lifetime to build a kingdom. You want a good family? It'll take a lifetime to build a good marriage. It'll take a lifetime to build a good family and relationships with kids. It'll take a good, you know, it'll take a lifetime to build things in the neighborhood or workplace or wherever, but it only takes a moment for sin to wipe it all out. Uzziah had done so much and he's building and building, and the Lord's blessing him. And sin comes and in a moment it destroys it all. What happened? What happened was Uzziah forgot who he was. He forgot his name, because Uzziah's name literally means Yahweh is my strength. Yahweh is my strength, not Uzziah. He forgot his name, and he began to form his whole identity on power and success. And the problem is when we start building an identity on power and success, it distorts our soul. Everyone has a kingdom The problem is there's power idolatry all around us. You see, you can find it in the highest levels of politics, but also the lowest. It's not only a king who can be on a power trip or a president. You can find power trips and power idolatry among low-level bureaucrats who love to boss others around. You'll find idolatry of power in schoolyard or online bullies who seek to wield their power in specific ways against others. You can find power idolatry in homes where there are domineering parents or even in a spouse who always has to be right, who can never lose an argument. These are all forms of power idolatry. Don't think that you are immune to the seduction of power idolatry. This can happen to anyone, anywhere, and sadly, I've even seen it in the church. I've seen it in pastors who behave more like little dictators. Like Uzziah, they've become arrogant, and people are no longer souls to be nurtured. Rather, people are now means to a specific end, namely, whatever end they have in mind. I've seen it in elders who act more like consultants or businessmen Than shepherds. Leadership becomes no longer about serving, but about exalting self or making yourself comfortable or simply getting your agenda done. See, the human heart is distorted when power becomes an idol, and our text tells us Uzziah became proud, and his idolatry of power is manifested in several ways. Here's just three that I encourage us to think about in our own little kingdoms. First, Uzziah had a sense of entitlement. You may be saying, I don't get why burning incense in the temple is such a big deal. Is it really that big of a sin? Yeah, it was, because here's, we could go into this a lot, here's the shortest way I can say it. Why this was so egregious is that Uzziah was not content with the political power he had, what he's doing by going into the temple, he says, I now put a stake into the ground that I claim spiritual power to. It's not enough to be king. It's good to be king. It's not enough. I need spiritual power. And so what he's doing in our text is he's seeking to extend his kingdom and claim spiritual power for himself. He believes he's entitled to it. He wanted to write some privileges that were not his, and he assumed that the rules did not apply to him. I don't know if you've been watching. I use this illustration. It's not meant to be political in one particular way. It's just an illustration, and it happens all the time. But if you've been following the news and you watch uh, the last two weeks, Nancy Pelosi had to defend her leadership position against a contender. What was fascinating to me was that In all the language surrounding it, whether it was her or her followers or the news talking about her, it was all a sense of entitlement in the words and descriptions that she has a right, this is hers, how dare anyone challenge her? It's not just Nancy Pelosi, it happens in politics all the time. How dare anyone challenge this position that I hold? How do you feel entitled? The second thing, lack of accountability is often bred by power idolatry. You see, Uzziah needed people who could speak truth to power. But it appears at this point in his life, he either had none or he turned them all away. He wanted to be able to do whatever he wanted. If you read back in verse 5, he had Zechariah, who instructed him when he was a young king. But somewhere Zechariah fell off the scene and Uzziah did not have that prophetic voice speaking into his life. And what I've seen is this. Royal sin, and I use royal sin in the sense of the sin of Uzziah, doing a swan dive into a really big sin. Royal sin isn't just limited to kings. You and I can engage in royal sin. Usually, royal sin, the kind that destroys kingdoms, that wrecks lives, doesn't just happen in a moment. I I do think there's a couple of ways it can. Sins of passion. You get angry and you do something in anger, that can wreck your life immediately. Sin of passion in the sense of lust or getting yourself in a position you shouldn't be in, that can wreck your life immediately. But most royal sins don't happen overnight. What they typically are are a thousand, tens of thousands, a million little steps in a bad direction where you do a little sin. Okay, no big deal. You do another little sin. And what happens is you keep walking down that road. As you do that, your heart becomes seared. Your soul becomes disconnected. And what was unthinkable way out there, now you're in the middle of. It's a lot of little steps in the same direction. Taking those little steps that coupled with a lack of accountability is a sure recipe for wrecking your life. As Uzziah increased in power, it seems that he increased in isolation too. And the leprosy he had in his body that the Lord afflicted him with was simply an outward manifestation of the leprosy that was present in his soul. He forgot Yahweh as his strength. I'm my strength. I'm the king. I have power. I can do whatever I want. I don't need accountability. Another way you can see power idolatry is by refusal to take correction. You see, if you build your life and identity on power, whatever, build it on just the power you have in your home, then you'll find that you can't take a rebuke You cannot admit to when you did something wrong. Many of you will remember Bernie Madoff, sentenced to 150 years in prison because he swindled people out of more than $65 billion with his Ponzi scheme. In interviews following when he's in prison, Madoff said publicly, it was my pride and my inability to admit fault that ruined me. You see, at some point before the Ponzi scheme, he lost several million dollars. And rather than admit he lost that several million dollars to his investors, he created the Ponzi scheme to maintain his power and his status in the eyes of others. His fear of losing power is what pushed him to keep going with his Ponzi scheme. He said, I never intended it to go as far as it did. I kept intending that I was going to pay it all off and recover everything. But the further I went, the harder it was to turn back. And ultimately, the thing he wanted most to keep is the very thing that destroyed him. You see, if you cannot take a rebuke, then it might be a sign that you are wrecking your life by seeking power in different ways. The text tells us Uzziah is confronted by Azariah and 80 other courageous priests. That means there's a bunch of other priests who were not so courageous, There were at least 80 plus Azariah who confronted the king. And why would some not be so courageous? Because you could lose your head confronting the king. But 81 confronted him. And he still wouldn't repent. He couldn't take correction. He couldn't admit he was wrong. He was so deep in his power idolatry. He raged against the truth tellers. That's what the text literally says. He raged against those who confronted him. When power is your idol, no one can tell you you're wrong. Not a child, not a spouse, not your best friend, not your boss. So where do you feel entitled? Where do you lack accountability? Where do you refuse to take correction? That may be the very place you are exercising power as your idol for purpose or identity in life. How do we cure this? Is there a cure? You see, one of the big problems with power idolatry is it it creates a whole fantasy land where you think you're in control of life. You think you've gotten to where you are in life by your own hard work, pulling up your bootstraps, and making things happen. You take credit for all the gifts God's given you, and you take credit for where you've gotten. Those are all gifts from the Lord. I'm not saying you don't work hard. I'm not saying you don't try hard, but you don't take improper credit because your success is given to you by the Lord. Your position is given to you by the Lord. So how do we get cured of power idolatry? As we celebrate Advent, the thing that's so striking to me as we consider this passage today is that one of the mysteries of Advent is how Jesus did the opposite of what Uzziah did. Uzziah sought to extend his power and control. Jesus gave it up. That's what we celebrate this month and his first coming. Think about this. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, immortal, invisible, all-powerful, what does he do? He gives it up and becomes a lowly baby in a manger. The king becomes fragile. The king becomes one who can suffer and bleed and die, and ultimately did. And so at Advent, we celebrate the one who gave up his power, not just to be born in a lowly state, but knowing he would go to the cross and take all of our sin on himself. That's our king. Our king's the one who gives up his right for the sake of those He loves. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 2, where he says, as he's encouraging us, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess, acknowledge, that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus' grace is what will heal our own will to power. Paul literally says here, it was as he humbled himself that he became exalted. So what do we do this morning? Very simply, first, throw yourself on his mercy and his grace. I'd encourage you, submit your little kingdom, however big, however small, completely to him. Start your day by praying what Jesus prayed in the garden not my will, but yours be done. Pray that about your own sphere of influence. Lord, you've given me influence, you've given me power, but your will be done, not my will. Surrender to Him is basically what I'm saying. You know, our session met Monday night in a called meeting to discuss some really important things in the life of the church. And what I loved about it was this. This is a very critical meeting talking about how, where we're going and different things. And everyone knew we had to spend focused time at the beginning of that meeting to seek the Lord. And the prayer basically was this, Lord, You lead us. You guide us. This is Your church. This is not our church. We may all have ideas and opinions, but we submit them to You and we ask that You would lead us in this discussion. I love it. I love it. It takes humility to be able to do that. I'd encourage you. Wake up every day and pray, Lord, I give you my life today to be used for your glory. And let me use the power you've given me to bless others and to extend your kingdom. Humility is critical, though. Now, I knew a young preacher who stepped into the pulpit one time, as he tells it, quite full of himself and what he had to say. And the reason for this on this particular occasion was he was a guest preacher at another church, and he was asked to preach the same sermon he had preached at a different church two weeks earlier, and at that church it had gone extremely well, and he received overwhelming adulation from those who listened. However, two weeks later, as he preached the same message to a different church the message literally bombed. He did everything in his power during that 30 minutes to try and revive it to no avail, and he became more and more discouraged as moment by moment he saw his wife in the back slowly sinking in her seat, literally under the chairs. Now, thankfully, the agony for him and the congregation ended as soon as he said, "'Amen.'" You see, he went into the pulpit that day full of pride and with a sense of his own ability and his power to accomplish something. And the Lord brought him down in great humility. I wonder if he had gone up the pulpit the same way he came down, would the story have been different? That's what our text asks us about Uzziah today. If he had reigned from beginning to end... With humility, would his life story be different? You know, that was one of the best early lessons in ministry the Lord gave me, for I was that young man. Two weeks later, after preaching a sermon that went so well, I thought, I got this. I didn't say it, but I thought, you know, I got this. I didn't pray about it, I didn't seek the Lord. It was one of the most painful, humiliating experiences I have ever faced because everybody's shaking your hand and, uh, just, oh, I'm just feeling, I, I stumble now because it just all comes flooding back. It's so bad and painful. I've tried to repress it. It was one of the best experiences because the Lord taught me then, Rick, it doesn't matter a lick what you say or what you can do. It's only what I do. It's only what I do. And while I don't pray it every week, like some of our other pastors, I desperately pray quietly to myself, Lord, not my words, but yours. Not by my power, but may your power come in this place. You see, our power accomplishes nothing. The Lord shares it with you. He gives you power and influence. Use it for His glory. Walk in humility with Him. His power makes all the difference. As we end and prepare ourselves for the table right now, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And here's what I want to do, because in this there are significant words. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. As we pray those words, here's what I encourage you in your heart. Let those be directly applicable to your little sphere of influence and power, where you say, Lord, where you've entrusted me, I give it to you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Let's take a moment and pray this together. If you don't know the Lord's Prayer, the words will be on the screens here. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come